Hallelujah. So we are continuing with our series of sermons called Foundations. Someone say Foundations. Again, Foundations. Last week, we had a seminar here again about the foundations because since we started this series today i'm going to teach you but i'm starting from where we ended in the seminar so this is like the continuation of the what of the seminar now uh, you are going to understand what i'm going to talk about today but its background is within day one day two day three and day four of the seminar so i would advise that if you are listening to this for the first time, uh, when you go back this week, get time each one of those days, put in your podcast, take a walk. Uh, by the time you finish the exercise of one hour, walking around the village, you will have finished the seminar and you continue like that every day. You will be more healthy and you will, have more, you will be more spiritual. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, this series of sermons is all based on Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1, 2, and 3. But really, verses 1 and 2. So Hebrews chapter 6, let's open there together and go. The Bible says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of elementary principles of Christ, or really leaving the discussion of the elementaries, of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation. Now, remember, the writer of Hebrews is hereby letting us know that before these teachings that he is teaching in the book of Hebrews, he had already interacted with these people. And in his interaction, the first thing he did was to lay down a foundation for them. And he's saying, at this point, for the people he's writing to, they should not be discussing again elementary principles. Right now, they should be mature enough to move on into perfection. And I told you, there is a place in our walk with God called perfection. In fact, men like John Wesley, men like George Whitefield, men uh, like uh, uh, Spurgeon used to talk about a thing called the perfection of the Christian. And those are summons that you will never get when you are still uh, in the Chitole summons structure. But when you come to a place where you are told the mind of God you begin to understand that the kingdom of God is ordered and the Christian life has an order to it. There are first things, there are next things, and there are last things. If you mess up the order, it is like trying to build a building and you start with roofing material down in the foundation ditch. You have mixed up things. Praise the Lord. You've got nails, mixing them with stones and sand and without cement. And you are mixing up things. Now, a lot of us have always wondered why we do certain Christian practices. 
we are even convinced we are Christians, but the problem is our Christian life is not producing the promise of the scriptures for the Christian man. You are not bearing the fruit that should come out of a man and a woman that has believed in Christ. In fact, the word you use is, I am struggling with this. <sighs> I am struggling with reading my Bible. I am struggling with understanding scripture. I am struggling with prayer. I am... And your life of a Christian is like it is marked by a word called struggle. And yet, in the scriptures, the Christian is marked by a word called rest and peace. And if rest and peace, joy and gratitude are not marks of your life, I am telling you, I am not disputing your Christian faith. I am saying the foundation might be cracked because as we said in the beginning, if the foundations are broken, what can the righteous do? And so it is important that we go back and examine the foundations. And so right here, we are given several foundations because it says we are not laying again the foundation. So we know there is a foundation that was laid and that foundation had these things. Number one, it had the foundation of repentance from dead works. So you must understand what repentance from dead works is and then go ahead and repent from dead works. And then from there you must Enter a place called faith toward God. That is a foundation. And number three, you must now enter a place where you understand and experience the doctrine of baptisms. Now, a lot of you know of only one baptism. Do you see that that is plural? And then some good Pentecostals now also know of two or only two baptisms. They know the baptism of water and the baptism of the, of the Holy Spirit. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Glory be to God. Hello. And then you must move forward from just the baptisms to what is the doctrine of the laying on of hands? Who should lay hands on you? Who should you lay hands on? Did you know, by the way, you are not supposed to just lay hands on anybody? There are places when I go to certain places and there are certain men in that place, I do not call altar calls. I do not make altar calls. But this is foundation. Like these are elementary things. These are one way to turn P1, baby stuff. I am saying foundations are important. And then there is the resurrection of the dead. But do you know there is a scripture that talks about people being baptized for the dead? You've not read about it. I am telling you, they are what? Foundations. That many of us, you had a good gospel sermon. And we told you, you must surrender your life to Jesus. And you came and you repeated the word. Repeat these words with me, dear Lord Jesus, dear Lord Jesus. And now we told you, you are what? You are born again. And you said, I am born again. You left the other place and now you came here. But no one ever sat you down to walk you through. These are the foundations. Now you have 
been in church for 10 years. You have learned certain things. You have a spirituality, but you don't even know that some of your spirituality is empty spiritualism. Yeah. Let me tell you, just because when you pray, you hear goosebumps and you it doesn't mean you are as spiritual. It doesn't mean really. I mean, we've seen people who have shivered, shaken, rolled, and, uh, and, and uh, have spoken in strange tongues. And after that, they went out of church and they found a border border man who charged them more than they were supposed to judge them and they gave it to them. Hey! Yeah. Me, my 1,000, you will give it back. Hey! Glory be to God. And then, the foundation of eternal judgment. Eternal judgment. What are the judgments that are there? What judgments do we experience now? What judgments will we experience? What judgments won't we experience? So, all those are foundations. And we are building one at a time. Now, in the seminar, we were only able to complete one and a half. So today, I came to finish the other half of the second foundation. Uh, we began to look at the second foundation called faith toward God. The second foundation is faith toward God. And one of the things I have said to you and is a very big conviction is this subject of faith should not be and yet for our day it is one of the most confused subjects of the Christian life. It should not be confusing but yet it has ended up being one of the most confusing subjects of the Christian life. And therefore, as I speak to you, I am praying for you. I pray that today, the Lord will grant you the grace, first of all, to abandon your pre-existing notions about faith. Especially you guys and ladies who have been in church for a long time. You have certain notions about faith and what faith means and what faith is. And the problem is that that notion you have about faith may be broken. It may be crooked. And so I am praying that you will... Give me your attention today to explain an aspect of faith that is New Testament faith. Because as I told you last week, we have different kinds of faith. And the confusion between the different kinds of faith makes it a bit more confusing than it is warranted to be. I described to you something called general faith. And then we also talked about biblical faith. And biblical faith is very different from general faith, even though it is part of general faith. Now, when we talk about biblical faith and use the language of general faith, it ends up you thinking that whatever is general faith is what the Bible talks about as faith, and it's not right. Are you still with me? Alright. So, go back to the podcast and understand what general faith is and understand what biblical faith is because today I came to describe to you only and entirely what New Testament faith is. 
And I believe this should be the only matter of our concern now that for us, you, you are not an Old Testament Christian. You are a New Testament Christian. And a New Testament Christian exercises one particular aspect of faith that then becomes the grounds on which we stand to lay claim of any other promise of God. Hallelujah. So, biblical faith, there is a category called biblical faith. And in that category, there is a specific category that concerns you and me, the New Testament kind of faith. But when the biblical writers are writing, they come to the New Testament, they only use the word, the faith, the faith, the faith, the faith, which gives a certain category. So you and I, when God is looking for faith from you, he is looking for the New Testament kind of faith. The other kinds of faith are not as of concern to God as this particular specific kind of faith. In fact, when you attain it and when you lay hold of this particular kind of New Testament faith, the rest of your life becomes a wonder. It becomes a sign. It becomes, you become unmovable. Hallelujah. Now, in the Old Testament, faith was specific to men and women that exercised it within the boundaries of their experience with God. Let me say that again. I don't want you not to get it. In the Old Testament, the faith that the men of the Old Testament are commended for was very specific and it was exercised within the boundaries of that particular man's experience with God. So a man would have an experience with God that is specific to that man. And when that man within that boundaries of his or her experience with God exercised the faith because of her or his experience with God, that man's faith was accounted as righteousness. And so God came to Noah and told Noah, it's not been raining, it has never rained. No one has ever seen anything called rain in this earth. All right? But Noah, rain is coming. So build a boat. And for 100 years, do you know what 100 years are? You, you, have never, you have never lived 100 years. There's none of us here that has ever lived 100 years. But Noah began building a boat when he has never seen rain. But the only thing that was empowering and energizing his action was the word he had from God. The experience he had from God. God told him, Noah... I am going to bring floods. I am going to destroy this whole earth. So build a boat. And Noah said, you guys, God is going to destroy this earth. He is going to bring a flood. So I am building a boat. One year, two years, three years, four years, ten years. After ten years, his neighbor came to him and said, but Noah, seriously, it has been ten years. It has been what? Ten 
years. Your boy was only 50 when you started. Now he is 60. Remember, Noah started building the ark when he was 500 years. Hey, you didn't know. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And then his son, who was 60 years, made 100 years. And Noah was still doing what? Building a boat. Why? Because God had told him that a flood is coming. Why are you building a boat, Noah? God told me a flood is coming. But that has been 40 years ago. It, a generation has come and passed Noah. Yes, I know. But the man who spoke the word to me. I know who he is and I know he will do what he said he will do. It was 80 years. Do you know that next Sunday Uganda is celebrating 60 years. So he started building an ark before the colonialists came to Africa. I put it in perspective. The colonialists came. Majimaji rebellion happened. <laughs> We sent them away. Mau Mau also happened. They all went. And we signed the Uganda agreements. Like, Noah is still building a what? A boat. We have never seen rain. And everyone is like, nah, Noah Mazima, you are mad. You are lying. Me, I worked on that boat. My grandfather worked on that boat. My great-grandfather also worked on that boat. They died and they went. Noah is still building. Do you really think this thing is going to happen? And Noah is, you guys, I know who I have believed. I know that who he is. When he says a word, it will come to pass. And because he said it, me, I do it. So Noah is exercising faith within the boundaries of his experience with God. That is why we now have the faith of Noah. Abraham had the same experience. God came to him and said to him, Abraham, get out of the land that your fathers and mothers know to. A land I will show you. Oh, a land I will show you. You will show me. Yes. All right, sir. Let me go. He did not ask God, should I go to the west or to the east? Do you want me to go north or to go south? No, no, no. He just got out of his house. God has told me to go. God has told me to go, to go, to go. Okay, I've gone. And he went somewhere. Where are you going? To a land the Lord will show me. But Noah, you have walked for 20 miles. Yes, I am still looking. Do you know what you are looking for? No, but I know the one who told me. When I see it, when I get there, he will show it to me. Oh, glory be to God. And in that respect... Then, the following night, another night after he got there, the Lord came back to him and said, Abraham, how old are you? Um, I am 99, sir. Oh, okay, good. And how old is Sarah? Uh, Sarah is 89, 89, 89. But her birthday is coming. <laughs> ah, okay. Now, now, Abraham, look, you are going to have a son. Wow, I'm going to have a son. Sarah, Sarah. God just told me. We are, my husband. <laughs> the machines no longer work. <laughs> Biologically, etymologically, 
theoretically and philosophically, it just doesn't what? Said Sarah, even if you laugh, me, I know what God has said. And so without wavering in his faith, he counted him faithful. Who said it? So in the Old Testament, faith simply went by whatever the human experienced with God and believed God in that particular area, that then was accounted to that man both as faith and as righteousness. Hello? Are you still with me? Can I go deeper? Praise the Lord. So, when it comes to the New Testament, you must also understand that for us, our faith is not based on that kind of interaction with God. I must be careful here because a lot of you, that is the kind of faith you have been schooled in. A lot of you, they have told you, if God says it, it settles it. Alright? Now, you are looking for a particular word of God in order for you to believe it for that situation. And that error, that mistake, actually really came to us through what was called the word of faith movement. And these were powerful men of God. These were amazingly, incredibly used men of God. However, they erred in the confusion of what they saw happen in the Old Testament versus what the category of faith for us in the New Testament should be. And so they took audacity, the ability to rest on the cross and therefore command results in the natural and that is what was taught to us as faith, mountain-moving faith. Friends, please pay attention to what I'm saying. In the New Testament, we have only one faith. Jude, the brother of Jesus, says this, puts it in more candid terms than anybody. In Jude chapter 1, verses 3, Jude only has one chapter, so we can say in Jude, verses 3, the Bible says, Let's read it together. One, two, three, go. Uh -huh. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, uh -huh, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for... For the faith, the faith, the faith which was once and for all delivered to the saints. There is a very specific kind of faith that once and for all was delivered to us. Now, and that particular kind of faith is what the writer of Hebrews is calling us to when he says, have faith toward God. Have faith. Toward God. And Jude says, for this particular kind of faith, we must contend for it. We must fight for it. In other words, there are things that will come against this particular kind of faith. 
so that it becomes easy for you to lose it or for you not to even know this particular kind of faith. But this particular kind of faith we are talking about is a weapon of warfare. This particular kind of faith is what in Ephesians Paul calls a shield. When he says put on the shield of faith, this is our particular kind of faith he's talking us. If you don't put on this particular kind of faith, it leaves you exposed to the enemy's darts. Hallelujah. Like I told you last week, this particular kind of faith is so important, is so incredible. God loves us so much that he made it so easy. It's very easy. And so having faith is not a difficult thing. Tell your neighbor, having faith is not a difficult thing. So faith toward God is the easiest and most natural thing to the Christian. Ha! Let me say that again so that you don't lose it. Faith toward God is the easiest and most natural thing to all of us who are Christians. You're going to see. It is the easiest and it's the more natural thing. I told you, the biggest lie the devil will give to you is that you have no faith. If the devil convinces you that you, know, you, you don't have faith, it is Pastor Alex who has powerful faith. Because he married her, you see. So, that, th 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 those things... The devil is lying to you. Tell your neighbor, neighbor. Listen to the preacher. Faith is natural to you. Faith is natural to you. Therefore, you have faith. What is this faith that I'm talking about? Remember, biblical faith is man's response to God's word in, in general. Now, in the New Testament, what is the word? Hello? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So, in the New Testament, what is the word? Okay, uh, you, you know the answer, but I'm seeing your neighbor looks very confused. Talk to your neighbor, say, neighbor, what do you think is the word in the New Testament? Do they know the answer? Okay, tell them the answer. You tell them, neighbor, in the New Testament, Jesus Christ is the word of God. And so, if biblical faith is our response to God's word, hello, it means New Testament faith is only and entirely our response to Christ's work on the cross. Faith toward God is our response to God's grace in sending Jesus on the cross and resurrecting him from the dead. Let's read it together. Two, three, go. Uh -huh. Faith toward God is our response to God's grace in sending Jesus on the cross and resurrecting him from the dead. If you have not responded to God's grace, which grace made him send his son to the cross, and his grace made sure that Jesus resurrects from the dead, if you have not responded, then you have no faith. But my brother and my sister, if you have responded to God's grace, 
in sending Jesus to the cross and resurrecting him from the dead. If you have responded, ding, 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 you got faith. Faith in the New Testament is our response to Jesus the Christ. The only man in this house today, the only man in Chirinya today, the only man in Imperial today, the only man listening to me on YouTube after 10 days after this message, who does not have faith is the man and the woman who does not, who has not responded to Jesus' work on the cross. What was Jesus doing on the cross? What was Jesus doing on the cross? Okay, you ask your neighbor for me. Neighbor, what was Jesus doing on the cross? Was he just dying for dying his sake? Because he even knew if he died on the cross, he was going to resurrect. So what is he doing on the cross? Hello, I don't hear you. What was he doing? What was he doing? What was he doing? So, what has happened to your sins? There are people who are not sure. Now, those people who are not sure, faith is being sure of what is hoped for. It's the evidence of what is not seen. What was Jesus doing on the cross? He was paying for my sin. Do I believe it? Do you believe it? Now, if you have faith, like a small seed, eh, you can move a what? And what is faith? Faith is my response to God's grace. To God's grace on the cross. Ah, and in resurrecting Jesus. Glory be to God. If you are believing Jesus, my friend, you've got faith. You've got faith. This is the faith we fight for. And this is why almost everything that comes against you today is trying to get you to, to say what Jesus did is not enough. But if he gave his son for you and for me, what else will he withhold from you? So do you see, my friends, that faith is not a hard thing. Faith is the principle by which we receive the work of Christ accomplished in his death. And is availed to us by his resurrection from the dead. My friends, it is not hard. Don't even let English disturb you. You must receive. You must do what? What Jesus accomplished in his death. Question. What did Jesus accomplish in his death? He paid for your what? For your sins. What did Jesus accomplish by his resurrection, you were declared right before God. Do you see that? Now, faith for us is receiving that. Father, I thank you because people are getting this. Your life will never be the same again. It will never be the same again. Let me tell you, the devil is a liar. The devil wants to tell you, do you know, faith is believe God for a job. Believe God for a job. Believe... Believing God for a job is not faith. I am telling you, it's not faith. It's not exercising faith. Eh? Yes. You are there. I'm believing God for faith. I'm believing, but I believed God. I didn't even get that joy, but I believed God. For us in the New Testament, that is not our faith. 
But I went to the prophet. The prophet said, if I give 20,000, I am going to get for sure, for sure. That's witchcraft. Yeah, isn't that what you used to do when you would go to the witch doctor? You take uh, a nusuyabaganda and then you, you also take a white cock eh, and then you are assured your things are going to go well. Wasn't that witchcraft? Glory be to God. And now you are there. Musumba, Musumba, Musumba. Please pray for me. I'm going for, I'm going for, for, for the interview. And, and, and my faith. Well, yes, you have your faith. But in the scriptures, the faith the Bible is talking about is one that is based on the work of Jesus Christ. Dying on the cross, he paid for your sins. Resurrecting, he declared you the righteousness of God in Christ. I've been justified. Hallelujah. So now my life is secure in the hands of God. My life is secure in the hands of God. So the man who has faith is the man applying for a job and saying, if I get it, it's their benefit. If I don't get it, it's their loss. God is on my side. God is on my side. He's not on my side when I get the job. No, he's not on my side when I lose. The... No, 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 no. He's on my side. He's on my side. If you chase me from your workplace tomorrow, you will find me a boss somewhere else. Why? Because if he did not spare his own begotten son, but gave him up for us. Hey! I do not eat because I have a job. No, I do not. I do not move because you gave me the right to move. I have God on my side. The evidence of God on my side is there is an empty tomb. There is an empty tomb. Oh, I feel grace pushing me right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We must receive the grace of God. We must receive the mercy of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, friends, we must look at the cross and understand it was for our sake. That Jesus hangs there in pain and in agony. We must go to the tomb with Mary Magdalene and rejoice that he has risen as he said. Hallelujah. We must peep in the tomb with John and look at the clothes like Peter did in the tomb and weep for joy because God has accepted the sacrifice for our sins. Because of Jesus. And by Jesus. Our sins have been forgiven. Because of Jesus. And by Jesus. We have now been reconciled to God. Because of Jesus. And by Jesus. We now have peace with God. Because of Jesus. And by Jesus. We have now been adopted into the family of God. Because of Jesus. And by Jesus. Now we carry the spirit of God. That is faith. So he says, have 
faith toward God. Have faith toward God. I can be in prison and have faith. I can lose my property and still have faith. I can walk and have a high office and still have faith. I can be rich and have faith. I can be poor and have faith. I have faith. I have faith. And it is this faith that moves mountains. It is faith. You know, whether I have children, whether I don't have children, I have faith toward God. And that faith is because if he did not leave Jesus in the grave, if he did not abandon his holy one to decay, he will not abandon me. He will not. He said he will never leave me. No, forsake me. Now, for us in the New Testament, all the promises of God all come to life because he rose Jesus from the grave. When I feel weak, I look at the cross and I see the power of his resurrection and I say, I cannot be weak. When I feel forsaken, I remember that God sent his only begotten son. That whoever be... Ah! He sent him for my sake. When my friends leave me, I will say, you, you leave me. But God never left me. He sent his only begotten son. My faith is in Jesus. My faith is in Jesus. I have faith toward God. You have faith toward God. And faith is as easy as accepting it. So, my question is, have you accepted the reality and the truth that God gave his one and only begotten son for your sake? That's the starting point. Have you? Have you? Turn to your neighbor for me and say, neighbor, have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you? Because if you have, friends, if you have, your faith is amazing. And you know the amazing thing about faith is God said, even if you have as small as a mustard seed, you can move mountains. You know, it is looking at that empty tomb. You know, we go like John because th there are several people. When Mary Magdalene got to the grave, she just saw that the stone was moved away. And she said, ah, he can't be in there. He can't be in there. She began looking around. She began looking around until she found a man and said, you are the gardener. Are you the gardener? Are you, are you the gardener? Where did you put him? In other words, she just knew he's not there. She just knew. And she told him, you moved him? Show me. And then he said, no, 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 no. No one moved me. It is I. It is I. It is I. So you and I can also be like Mary Magdalene. We don't need to see the grave. We don't need to see in there. But, but, but we believe to the salvation of our souls. Or you can be like John. John ran with Peter. He ran and ran. And he got to the tomb. He saw the stone was rolled. But he said, I must peep in. 
and he looked. He looked. For sure, the evidence that he had been there was still there, but he was not there. He was not in. And he said, he's not in. He's not in. Peter came, he found John peeping. He said, John, you peep me, I'm entering. He entered and checked. There was only the scarf that covered his head. And he looked at it like someone had got it properly and removed it and even folded it properly like he was not in a hurry. Glory be to his name. Glory. Ah! He was not in a hurry. <laughs> he, he folded it properly. And Peter caught it. It did not even smell like death. And they all came back to the rest. And told them guys. Guys. He has risen. He has risen. As he said. Because. He rose from the grave. All your sins are forgiven. You know, there are a lot of people that are living with much guilt. There are a lot of people that are living with so much shame. There are a lot of people who their hearts are condemning them because they think what they did was too big. But I came to tell you, my friend, Jesus on the cross carried all, all your sins, your shame, your guilt, and your condemnation. And it was for your sake that he came so that he can set you free from all the limitations the enemy, the devil, had brought upon you. And when you believe him, and really believing, accepting that really he can wash it all away. He will wash it all away. He will take it all away. We live in the reality that God has cleared us of all things that we could not have been cleared any other way. And that by him, we've now been adopted in the family of God. You are of the God kind. You are truly a child of God. The things that concern you. Now concern God. You have become God's ongoing concern. Hey! The maintenance of who you are. Is now in the hands of God. That is why whoever touches you, God says, you have touched the apple of my eye. Hey, whatever comes against you now comes against God. He paid too much. So now, your life is secure in the hands of God. Whether in death or in life. Whether in riches or in poverty. Whether in Kampala or outside of Kampala. You know, wherever you are, you will flourish. You will flourish. Because greater is he now that is in you than he that is in the whole world.
There's nothing that comes against you that doesn't have to first take on God. I feel like speaking to a, a, a woman here who has been having a tough marriage. God fights for you. If he gave Jesus to go to the cross for you, surely he will fight for you. I feel like talking to a single mother who has been raising her children by herself. I'm thinking maybe if I had someone to hold my hand on. And I want to tell you, friend, if he gave Jesus to clear your sins away, surely he has your back covered. Someone is holding your hands. I want to speak to a man who it looks like his business was falling apart. It looks like life is not at all what you had imagined it to be by the age of 25 or 30. I want to speak to you today and tell you, if God could take away all your sins, surely God can take care of your financial challenges. He sees where you are. He sees who you are. And rise up and stand on your faith and say, surely he will not leave me. He will not forsake me. God is on your side. God is on your side. Someone stand up and shout, God is on my side. 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 Before we come to the close of our session today, I want to ask you, have you put your faith in Jesus? You know, there are people who worry a lot about things. There are a lot of anxieties. Have you put your faith in Jesus? I want to pray with two kinds of people. The first kind is one who you are saying for the first time today. I have heard the word. And I want to give him my life. I want to be born again. I want to be saved. If you are that one, I want you to raise your hand where you are. Boldly and powerfully, I want you to raise your hand. And I want to pray with you that you may give your life and put your faith in Jesus. Where are you? If you want to give your life to Jesus, just raise up your hand. I want to pray with you. Where are you? Is there anyone here you want to give your life to Jesus today? Please raise up your hand. Whether you are in Chilinya or Mpelere or even here, you're saying, I want to put my faith in Jesus. Raise up your hand. Give your life to Jesus. Put your faith in Him today. Hallelujah. Let's give a hand clap to Jesus. The second person I want to pray for are you. I want you to come forward. You're saying, you know, pastor, 
I've believed in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But I've been far from exercising my faith. And today, I want to make a recommitment to Jesus. I've understood what faith is. And I want that faith to be sealed in my life. That my faith will be in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you are that one, you're saying, I don't want my faith to waver anymore. I want my faith to be sealed on Christ. I want you to walk to the front. Father, here are your sons and daughters standing before you today. Praying for the strengthening of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The clarity of articulation, Father, only comes from your spirit. And now I pray for them in the mighty name of Jesus. That your spirit will strengthen their faith. And that your light will shine with such brightness. Their faith will never in any way waver away from you. They will understand this mystery. They will walk in this mystery. And their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ will be stronger than we have ever thought and known about it. Strengthen them now in Jesus' name. Strengthen them now in Jesus' name. Strengthen them now in Jesus' name. Make them mighty men and women of faith in Jesus Christ. Mighty faith in Jesus Christ. I declare mighty faith for them in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people say, Amen and Amen. Hallelujah. Amen.